Okay, okay, okay. I know you're tired of me starting this podcast the same way. Bears lose, whatever. Yada, yada, yada. But this loss actually isn't that bad. Isn't a terrible loss. I'm, I'm on, I got my positive hat on. Yeah, week 9 was a week, but I did learn a lot about our team. So, welcome back to the Beth It Up Pod. I'm CJ, I am your host. I am giving you this best coverage on a weekly basis. I'm staying consistent, so thanks everybody um, for keeping me motivated for this. But, Bears lose to the Saints, 17-24. to 24. Tell you why that's a good thing. Tell you what I saw, what I like, what I didn't like. Also, uh, Adjusting a real big um, thing that I saw on uh, Twitter as well. So, um, just something I um, want to be able to address. But thank you. Well, thanks again for uh, tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Back that up. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start start last Sunday. Uh, Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints. I had a more of a blowout loss. I thought that we weren't going to be able to score enough on offense. I thought that our defense was going to give up too many points, and that's what the reason. That's what the difference was going to be between us and the Saints. I was partially right. The offense couldn't score enough, especially after that first drive. We went down the field. Uh, got out of the uh, um, Tyson Bajan got out of the pot um, out of the pocket scored we he had a really risky but pretty good throw when he went across the body threw it through a very good jump ball to Cole Komet Cole Komet over Tyron Matthews really good really good throw and it made me hopeful it made me hopeful and even slowing, um, even though we gave up a touchdown right back to, to the Saints, I was still feeling hopeful about the game just because I I felt that Getsy was going to play the um, call, call the plays right and have us opportunity, give us the opportunity for us to be able to win with the undrafted rookie. That's what I had hoped for, but then after that first drive. It went back to more of the same, um, more of the same kind of restrictions, and I think they started off really well with scripting and getting things together so that Beijing could be able to make the plays. And if he needs to get out the pocket, he can get out the pocket. And honestly, looking at Beijing, Beijing plays really well with Cole Komet. Plays really well with Cole Komet because Cole Komet as a tight end. He's kind of scrambling a little bit. He knows the zones, so he's finding his place within the zone. And when the play breaks down, Bajan's able to get the ball to him. 
and it works out because that's that that is a backbreaker because you're not going to focus in and stop Beijing on the quarterback scrambles. He can gas you as he was our. Um, I think he had 80, 70 yards rushing. So he's going to be able to gas you when he if he gets out the pocket, and he'll be able to get six, seven yards or so um, on a play. He's he can stretch the field. I mean, he can he can get those first downs. But also, if you focus in too much on Bayesian and Cole Komet in that that tight end zone where you're in that middle hook area in the in the middle of the field, then Bayesian can. When he scrambles outside, dump it off the cold commit, and it 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 will, it will work out for him. So I really see that those two have a good chemistry. Uh, unfortunately, that's the only person that Bayesian has a chemistry with. Uh, he can't, not really on the same page with DJ Moore or with uh, Darnell Mooney. What if the play call? Whether it's it's just the limitations, maybe it's the time they have. I'm pretty. Uh, I know Beijing doesn't get that many. Didn't before this stretch get that many reps with them, so it's a little bit difficult. So, and it also makes it difficult for us as well because we don't have a legitimate guy in the slot to help him out in those situations outside of um, outside of whenever we line uh, a cold command out and a little a little bit. So, um, very difficult. Um, couldn't get things going. Offense kind of uh, staggered out, but one of the things I did notice, one of the things I did um, did appreciate, is that our defense was not giving up a lot of um, points, um, keeping plays in front of them. This was a very good defensive game, and we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in one second. But in that in the second half, that's when the wheels kind of fell off of the offense, and uh, that's when things got a little bit sketchy. That's when you saw the limitations of this team. So we get up to a 14-7 lead um, in the first quarter. They tied up, and in in um, they tied up. Ends the half. We're in the half 14 up. Okay, everything's good. We make a defensive stop, so go, the Saints go three and out. And after after that, um, up cut throws up the middle. DJ Moore gets it, but trying to stress too, trying to stress stress the ball a little bit too much. And Adebo from the Saints gets the fumble recovery, um, and that's what's really a tough one because we're trying to press to win. We're trying to press. We're trying to desperately get a victory. I understand it. Doing a little bit too much in the play, you really should have went down. But overall, that that moment, that aspect of trying to do too much, and Adebo, who you'll hear his name again in this podcast, uh, was really key, and he really um, panned out. So uh, just looking at things, so Adebo got the fumble recovery on DJ Moore. Adebo also got an interception when um, Bajor tried to throw the ball to Cole Komet, and... Um, Adebo kind of baited him into throwing that ball, thinking that, uh, thinking that it was open. It wasn't open. Beijing went off of Camille uh, kind of fast, throw right to Debo. So Adebo has two turnovers already in the game. Second half comes around. 
Uh, both teams trade field goals. We're in a we're in a good spot. Give up a touchdown on a um, on a on a really short drive, and that's what the what the killer was for me was that outside of the seventy five yard yard on that second touchdowns, the two Saints touchdowns were forty five yards and forty five yards. So they were already in our territory to begin their drives, and you know we we gave up the we gave up the six. But outside of that, we didn't give up any more points. So holding a team that was top 10 in, in offensive stats to 24 points and giving the ball up that much is a really good look for our defense. Bayesian had a tough go at it, especially in the fourth quarter when it was when it was time to make a drive. Uh, and watching the broadcast and hearing the, hearing the commentating team Saying, "Oh, hey, this is the moment. Like, this is the moment." And interception. Okay, this is the moment. This is the moment right here. And another interception. All right. And each and every time you're expecting the Saints to go back down and score and put this game out of um, out of reach, but it doesn't happen. The defense gets a stop. Defense goes gets a three. Um, gets a three and out. Defense. Um, the Saints miss a field goal. But every time we get some kind of momentum on the defensive side of the ball, we we get another turnover on the offensive side, and this is this what brought me to a good realization. So after the game is over, um, that last fumble was pretty much it. Even though we still kept the Saints at the end zone, um, the biggest issue that I've seen, the biggest thing that I've seen, is that. People on Twitter are on these two different camps. You got Justin Fields, JF1, Justin Fields, and you got Bayesian to be the quarterback right now. And I don't really understand that line of thinking, that mindset, because if you look across the league, there are a lot of teams that don't have quality depth at the quarterback position. When I mean quality depth, somebody that could come in and win a game two games while your starter is out and when you saw I saw it in 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 New York at the Giants when uh Danny um Danny Dimes uh Daniel Jones he he gets injured and then Ty, um he gets injured Tyrod comes in Tyrod gets injured Danny Dimes comes Daniel Jones comes back in he gets injured again now they have a uh, Tommy DeVito and Tommy DeVito played a thinker of a game you know, a lot of teams don't have a solid backup quarterback. And if you don't have a solid backup, then with 17 games, with the speed and the physicality of the game, even though quarterbacks aren't hit as much, but just the simple fact that this is a contact sport and people do get hit, people do get hurt, it's going to happen. You're going to, your quarterback is not going to play 17 games in a regular season. It's not going to happen consistently. Those, those that day of, the Iron Man quarterback playing every game is is not really um it's not a reality now. So you do need a starting quarterback and you need a QB two that could come in and be serviceable. And I think Bajan is serviceable. I think Bajan has the ability to be a quality backup in the in the league as of right now. And then from that point on, he'll be able to be a a starting caliber quarterback, maybe year three, year four. But it's no point of rushing it. We're, the Bears are two and set, two and six. Um, 
the second worst record in the NFL. I'm gonna to get to my Tankathon um Tankathon rankings in a little bit just to give you that you guys everybody will know where we are, but third worst record wise, there's no point of rushing a undrafted rookie into the starting lineup either this year or next year. Let him learn the system. Give him some time to learn. Give him some time to get better in the system and comfortable with people. And then if Fields gets injured, we have a backup on our team. And if later on down the line, year two, year three from now, if we have to go away from um, from Fields, we at least have a gap year quarterback. There's no reason to have this this real tough fit, um, anti-Fields, anti-Bajan kind of kind of mindset that I've seen a lot of people on Twitter have. Um, people making this. Um, having arguments in totally different ways and it's not the point the point is we're trying to get people we're trying to win we're trying to get a point of not being a laughing stock as far as the nfl goes so it's really important just to say hey look we have two quarterbacks on our team i know we're used to not having one but we have two quarterbacks on our team that could actually in the right system perform in the right in the right way so let's go for it let's see how it goes Let's keep going from this point. Let's let's relax a little bit, you know, because we're not like some of these other teams. We're not like the um, the Rams who have to sign Carson Wentz out of um, out of free agency because they don't have anybody to play now. So it's let's just relax. Hey, we have two quarterbacks. I think we're in a good spot. But as you all know, I don't want to spend too much time on on the loss. The loss happened. We all knew it was going to be a loss. We're going to go and give you a little preview of not only this week's uh, it's a short week uh, with the Carolina Panthers, but also what we're looking for as far as our draft picks. Actually, no, no. Let me stop. Let me back up. I'm so sorry. Um, I moved things around this week, so usually I do this segment at the end of the show, but I did want to try talking about this week's game closer towards this week's game. So I'm going to do good and bad ugly right now. So I don't forget it after the break. So I want to start off, number one, with the good. And the good is our defense. The defense really held their own against the Saints. So the Saints on the season average, uh, average 343 yards per game. Okay. Which... Um, puts them in the top half of the top half of the league. Um, kind of in that area where the Jaguars, the Chargers are, um, little little bit below the, the Colts, but not in that upper echelon of like the Dolphins, the Eagles, Niners, etc. So you have um, we were able to the Bears were able to slow them down, only give up two. I think it's like two hundred and thirty nine yards. I'm double check, but that was a overall great game for my defense. The second half of the of the game, the the Saints were in Bears territory the entirety of the time of 300, 300, 301 yards, 301 yards. The Bears were in the Saints were in Bears territory the entirety second half and only walked away with one touchdown. Like that is really impressive. Chris Olave only had for 46 yards um, receiving. Um, Taysom Hill was just all over the place, and he was the reason that we took that loss. 
but it is a really big overall game from our defense. Back against the wall a ton. We were they were able to step up. Yeah, we didn't get the pressures we needed to. They uh their um Derek Carr was had a clean jersey, but one of the biggest things was that the Bears defense did not fold up and that's a that's the that's the good for the game. The best you can get out of a, a loss. Now my bad I'm going with Lucas Patrick and I wanted to go Getsy. I wanted to go Getsy. Um but I do have I do have a um I, I do want to hold up to my my truth about of saying, hey, look, I'm not going to say the same person each and every week. I'm going to be a little bit creative. So, Lucas Patrick, center for the Chicago Bears, tons of bad snaps, of course. So he had, I think he had three bad snaps that I counted. Um, with, with with the rookie quarterback, it's not a, it's not always a good sign. But outside of that, also, I noticed a lot of times where he was missing blocks. Only in the pass game. All right, we all know he can't really pass block that well, but also in the run game. So, you know, when you're when you're moving and and you're an NFL starting center, you can't block an outside linebacker. If you can't, if you miss your block on a safety that step down into the um into the box, what are you really here for? Like, what is your goal inside of this offense if you if you can't snap the ball correctly and you can't block run block or pass block like I don't understand what Lucas Patrick is doing but I know it's not playing center out of the NFL level um not something I'm not saying that's something we need to address now as far as benching Lucas Patrick because once again we are a uh we we are one of the worst teams in the league so I'm fine with, with, with us being where we are but um, overall, I think that Lucas Patrick played a terrible game. And it's not his first, but it's the first time I mentioned him on the show as far as being a sole um, reason that some, something solely that reached out to me. Um, now, the ugly, I got to get this that, that stretch from um, Tyson Bajan in the second half. And I think that was one sealed a lot of people as far as Hey, what's gonna happen is if if Fields is ready to go Thursday, uh, do we start Beijing or not? And be hundred percent honest, this this stretch kind of kind of did it. So, um, and we're looking in the fourth quarter. Um, this is after the Saints scored to get to be up twenty four uh, Second play. Bayesian intercepted. So come right in, interception. Uh, we get the we get turnover on downs. Basically turnover on downs. Perfect. Get the ball back. We get a first down. It's no no problem. Next thing that happens, Bayesian intercepted again. Back to um Odebo. So Odebo had two interceptions. And a fumble recovery this game. So deep middle, double coverage, and he's he was still feeling like that he could make that throw, even though that got burned them burned them twice today. So um this kind of reminds me of when Jay Cutler threw uh four interceptions to the same guy. Um 
forgetting who um, who that was from from the, um, from the Broncos, but it wasn't a Cape Talib. Um, it wasn't Chad Bailey. I'm not, I got to figure that out. But I'm about to look look it up right now. But um, you're still trying to pick at a at a at a corner that's already shown you. Hey, I can make I can I can make this play. Don't don't try it anymore. So that's fine. Um, we go three and out, so uh, three straight and um, a short pass for, um, to commit, three straight, um, two other passes were incomplete. The um, Saints take over again. They miss a field goal. We get the ball again. Like, all right, now this is your chance. This is your chance. And Cam, um, he, he gets sacked, fumbles the ball, game essentially over. And three turnovers. In the fourth quarter, it's not what you need, and that's a terrible stretch for a rookie. I understand he is a rookie, still learning how to play. He's still trying to learn how to win on the NFL level consistently, but that's just a horrible stretch. And I think that kind of calmed people down about putting him out in the fire now. Let him calm down. Let's wait. Let's see what he can do. Um, let's get comfortable in the system. But that was a good, bad, and ugly. Uh, we're gonna now on this. Um, we're gonna talk. A little bit more in depth about Thursday's game against the Carolina Panthers and what I saw from Caleb Williams when I scouted. So week ten NFL season uh, starts off Thursday night football. Chicago Bears at home against Carolina Panthers. Uh, two of the worst teams in the NFL score off on Thursday night football, and I honestly feel that more. Game like more Thursday games should be the, the like the bottom of the barrel. I think it's better off for the league in general. So instead of Thursday night, you have the marquee matchup. You just find the the, the worst win loss record, whoever's there, and just throw that game on Thursday. Fine, whatever. Like I know it's not gonna happen, but I think overall it helps out a lot because you can avoid seeing a lot of bad football on on Sunday if you just put it on Thursday. You don't have to watch football on Thursday. You know, you can you can avoid it. Like if I didn't if I didn't have this podcast to do, I would avoid watching this game. But it is what it is. We are here. So the Bears coming into this game as a three and a half point favorite at home, which you know, that sounds about right. We do have one more win, and we're at home. Being at home gets you about three points, so we're slightly a be- slightly better than Carolina. Um, Over-under is 40 points, and that's a tough one to kind of gauge just because when you look at it as far as the overall aspect of who's going to play quarterback. Like, is, is Phil's going to play? I believe Phil's going to play just because it looks like the Bayesian quarterback one run was just for this three games. They're not, there's not going to be a con- quarterback controversy. Of a three interception, one fumble game is definitely enough to, to like, okay, now you just sit down, learn the game a little bit more. So, Fields is healthy. Fields is going to play. If Fields plays, I have, a to- I have faith that the Bears can able to win this game. So, this is the reason why. Of course, the Carolina Panthers are bad. They're bad as well. Only won one, one game, one in seven so far in the season. But it's the, it is why they're bad. It's, it, it's a 
what what makes them a bad team? What makes Carolina one of the worst teams in the league? Well, first off, they don't really have a run game. So with with Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders combined, they have a little bit over 500 yards, and that's two. There's two running backs who are splitting time in the backfield. Um, both averaging under four yards a carry, so not really helping them out um, either on that aspect. Second and equally as important that they can't really protect their young quarterback in Bryce Young. So Bryce Young's a little bit of a, a smaller um, quarterback. Um, think he had to have him listed right now as five foot eleven, I believe. Don't think he's really five foot eleven. Oh, sorry, got him at five ten. Let's say that's 5'10", 194, very small, and those smaller quarterbacks have a hard time seeing over their line, one. It makes it equally as difficult because his O-line is also not good. So a lot of the times, especially when I um, was watching the film of, of him versus the Colts, I saw that he was had to run a lot. And I believe that the center from the... Panthers is worse than Lucas Patrick. So, putting all those things into consideration to overall for this game, I honestly think that we'll be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides. They, the Panthers give up a lot on the run, and we can establish this run early in this game. This is one of those games where it's kind of Getsy's game to lose. If he if Getsy doesn't coach a good game, if Getsy doesn't say, "All right, look, we're gonna run the ball, get Justin out of the, out of the pocket, move the pocket, threaten them down down the field," I really feel that he should be going this he should be going this week. If we have another stinker, if we have another one of those games where the offense looks bad, the offense looks disjointed against a team that is is potentially missing their their best rusher, Brian Burns, uh, with, a, is with a concussion protocol. He didn't practice this game. So, it is going, I mean, they didn't practice this week. So, it's going to be difficult for them to generate a pass rush. They If they're struggling with the pass rush, Justin Fields this, and this run game should have an easy time. This That run game should open up the pass, whether it's play action or just the fact that they have uh, a loaded up box. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of issues. There are a lot of moving pieces within this game. But if Fields plays and gets he coaches like his job is on the line, I have firm belief that the Bears will be able to win this game kind of convincingly. I'm going to say. I'm going to say 20, no matter of fact, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say 30 to 17. 30-17, Chicago Bears win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, oh, wait. Carolina just doesn't have the, the overall weapons on the offensive side. They are year one of their rebuild. And so there's going to be, you, you should see a difference in our 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 front our front four versus their front four. Um, I think our linebackers will be able to control the line of scrimmage. We don't have to really worry too much about the run game. It's been non-existent for them. 
And as far as their best pass go, pass catcher goes, is Adam Thielen, who's not being anybody deep. He's gonna gonna be annoying to just catch the ball on those um against Ibafusa's zone. So overall, I see a lot of positive out of this game. I think that it's a real good chance that the Bears will be able to quiet a lot of those murmurs down about Justin Fields not being able to play or everybody getting fired if they get a win on Thursday night football. It's going to be an ugly game, but I think that maybe a couple of interceptions because Bryce Young can throw the ball um, away, mostly because he's trying to press. He's not comfortable in the pocket yet. But there's a lot of opportunity for us to be able to win games in the um, – win this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, now, we're talking about the, we're going against the number one draft pick from this last year. And this segues perfectly because the reason they got that pick is um, DJ, Moore, DJ Moore trade, um, Carolina moved up to number one, and we were able to get their pick this year. This year, Carolina's not doing well, so picture being one of the worst teams in the in the league and not having a, not having your pick like that just that that is a indictment on the GM. Like everybody wants to come in Chicago wants to talk about Ryan Poles and his moves, but having a number one pick, picking Bryce Young, and I think Bryce Young is going to be a good player. But picking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud, who's having a better year than Bryce Young, and then also not having the number one draft uh, you're in pick this year. So you could have had Bryce Young and Marvin Williams, right? You could have had so many, so much more on your team. But instead, now you have Bryce Young and you're going to get a second round. You have a second round pick. You got to make your team better with this year. So it's a little bit tough for them. But this year... As far as pitch go, um, I have as as um people have been following the show. I have been doing my scouting. I have been looking at some of the college players that are we are, the Bears are rumored to get. And so, uh, as of la- as of the show last week, we were scheduled to use Carolina's pick to be able to get Caleb Williams. Um, now. In the tank, in the tankathon um, draft standings, they have Caleb Williams going number one to USC, um, to Arizona, and us grabbing Drake May and Marvin Harrison. Don't think it's gonna how it's gonna shake out, but it is what it is. So, um, one of the things I want to do, I want to actually make good decisions on who's who's who the Bears are drafting by looking at them, not just the highlights, but also the game film. And I looked a little bit at my. Um, Michael Penix, uh, Penix from Washington earlier when they played against Oregon and Bo Nix. But this game against USC, something I really wanted to see because both of these players are guys who I think can come in year one and make an impact on their team. And looking at Caleb Williams, looking at how he can make really good throws, how quick he is in the pocket, how agile he is. It doesn't really remind me of Patrick Mahomes. It reminds me a little bit about Russell Wilson. Uh, a little bit more, a little bit bigger. Uh, Russell's not nowhere near six foot, and Caleb Williams at six one two twenty. 
um, really quick, nimble, can make throws on the run, has a great arm. Um, don't let USC's record for you. They don't have a good football team. Caleb Williams is not the problem on that team. Uh, yeah, he's not going to win another Heisman. That, that record is way too bad for him to win back-to-back Heismans. But if you want to look at what overall he does good, he does a lot of things good. He's he's a leader on his team. He's locked in. He's a guy that's going to potentially change the culture of a team if he's in the right situation. And I think there are a lot of good situations for him. I'm not sure if Arizona's that place. But overall, I think that what I've seen from him – and. Honestly, I don't want to um, overshadow Michael Penix either. Uh, Michael Penix won that game. Uh, or uh, Washington scored 52 points. USC couldn't st- uh, stop anybody needed to Washington, to be honest with you. Uh, the only difference is that Michael Penix had a run game, and USC was just relying on, only on Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams outplayed him. He outplayed him. He looked like the best quarterback in this draft by far. It looked like Caleb Williams was a man amongst boys. He was able to do what he wanted to do on that field. The only the problem was that his defense was so bad that every time he sat down, he knew that his defense was going to give up seven. He knew his defense was going to give up seven, and that's a bad way to play as a quarterback. But overall, I like what he I like what he I like what he brings to the, to the league. I like what he brings on the football field. I think overall, I think that Caleb Williams is a game changer. I see why um, people were saying that it's okay, like it's perfect time to tank for him. I wasn't a big fan last year looking at him, but looking at him this year, I can see what these what um what the Bears' best thing to do is. Um, but is that the best thing to do for the Bears? That's the biggest question. Should the Bears start over at the in quarterback, or do we focus on other things? Like yes, the consistent the consensus among Chicago Bears fans is that Marvin William Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the guy that we draft at the number two spot. But what are we doing uh, with our first pick? But what are we doing with the other picks? Are we going to try to grab somebody else? Are we grabbing Dallas Turner from um, Bama? Are we trading down and getting some getting the edge rush help? Are we getting are we getting O linemen? Are we getting um, more playmakers like what is the best move for the Bears and honestly I really think looking at everything on the on the board I'm a big fan of especially for this year knowing that hey we don't really need a quarterback we need to get better on the offensive side of the ball one it includes firing Getsy like that's he has to go in order for you to be able to make that next step on the offensive side of the football. But um, outside of that, we need to be able to have a cohesive um, either either pass rush on the defensive side of the ball, so you can go wide receiver, pass rusher, or if you don't feel Braxton Jones is the guy because he stays because he has been injured because he has fought off penalties. You know, if you feel like you can upgrade in this draft and be able to protect your quarterback's blind side, then you can do that as well. But it's a lot of avenues. There's a lot of things you're up for grabs. There's a lot of things that the Bears can do. 
It's just all really depends on what they are going to do. And this is what the season's already over for me. Season was over with week one. This is the this is the build up to the preseason uh, to the po the off season, and this is what I want to see. So, um, thank y'all so much. I really appreciate any feedback I've gotten for this show. Uh, there is a this is like this is therapeutic for me to be able to do this and talk and talk to people about football. So, um, appreciate y'all. Be back, uh, this will be back up before the game, and then I'll be um, back with you guys next week as well. See y'all later. Bet that up.